This is the Resilient and Resourced Educator, and I am your host, Danette Adams. Today's guest is Gwen, who is a seasoned and steady educator, and she's also my sister. While the chaotic changes this year have proven to be the greatest challenge in her 30 years of teaching, Gwen remains firm that there is some hope. So join this sister chat to hear how Gwen resources herself through personal and professional challenges in pandemic times. Like I said in the interview, I'm very excited about this episode of the podcast because I get to interview my big sister. So welcome, Gwen. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Okay, so I'd like to start the way I always like to start these interviews is um, asking educators about a memorable or influential teacher or coach, somebody that really influenced them. So tell me about that person for you. Um, well, when I think about teachers, you know, a few always pop into your mind that you, you remember fondly, but I would say the one that pops into my mind first and always when I think of teachers um, was Mrs. Malloy, and she was my grade three teacher. And, and when I think about why she was so special, I think um, it was mainly she was very caring, um, she was very loving, she was positive, she was always smiling. And she encouraged me and, and she was always, um, you know, trying to get across me that I was capable and that I was smart. And it was the first time, honestly, that I think I felt smart in school. And it made me confident. It made me want to do well. And, you know, I think you learn better in that kind of environment. And you never felt like you were going to get in trouble. Even if I did something silly or wrong, you know, she just um, was always there to support me. I remember even once a vivid memory of... Um, I peed my pants. I was in the back of the, the classroom and I was mortified and she was calling me to the front and I couldn't move. I was like paralyzed, but she just made it all right. Like for some, I don't remember what she said or did, but I remember not feeling upset and it wasn't as big a deal as I had made it out to be in my mind. Like she was just always very supportive and caring. So, and I right. think, you know, as I talk about her, um, I think back and I think maybe she was probably the reason I wanted to become a teacher because I wanted to be a teacher for so long. I can't remember when, but I just know that she just made it look so wonderful. And I think she inspired me yeah. in that way. Do you see um, um, sort of um, channeling her when you're working with students today, your own students? Um, I think so at, at times. I mean, I don't always consciously think of her, but I, I try to make them feel welcome and, and warm. And, you know, they come with all different capabilities and experiences and strengths and weaknesses. So you try to make them all feel comfortable and happy and safe, you know, to be there so that they want to come to school. That's the first hurdle to get past, making sure they're happy and comfortable in their classroom. So you spoke of strengths. So I'm wondering what you consider to be your strengths uh, during this really challenging teaching time, maybe one of the most challenging times of your career, I'm guessing. So what, what do you take into the classroom with you? I can say after 30 years of teaching, it's definitely been one of the hardest. Um, and just the fact that I've been teaching for 30 years and I've taught everything from kindergarten to grade eight. So I've had a huge, you know, um, uh, range of uh, teaching grades and responsibilities. So that um, makes it easier to walk into any classroom and just sort of take over. Um, but aside from that, I think, um, the biggest one, especially this year, is what I've learned about myself is that I'm resilient. Um, 
you know, I think I've learned that through my personal life over the last few years, you know, we've had some illnesses in the family and some stressful times. And then even myself, I had cancer last year and I learned that, you know, you can get through those hard times and you can keep going. And sometimes you're even better for them, you know, once you get through them. Um, and then when I look at this year, how it started, I mean, I was, I've been in the library for over 10 years. So I really wanted to go back to the library. So in the spring, I was told I'd be teaching um, um, uh, media literacy through the library, which in my mind is not the best way to use the library, but you know, I went with it. And then in the summer yeah. I found out, okay, um, I guess towards the end of August that libraries wouldn't be open. So I would be teaching media literacy in the classrooms. Okay, so that's another change. So we go with that. And then about a week before school started, I found out that all teacher librarian positions were cut and there would be no library. So for about three or four days, I had no idea what I would be teaching. And then less than a week before school started, I found out I'd be teaching grade two. Um, and I had no resources and no room set up to go. So I had less than a week and I just, you know, ran with it and I set up the room and I got ready. And I had about 15 students, including um, one very challenging student who required a lot of my time. And then we were kind of got into a, a groove and things were coming along nicely. And then just last week, we were told a class was collapsed. So I would be getting seven more students starting Tuesday, which puts my um, class at 22, where our cap before pandemic was 20. So I don't know how that makes sense to anybody, but um, you know, I know it's going to be hard, but we're just going to have to keep going forward and, and just doing the best we can. And I think that's where your resiliency comes in to help you get through that. And a sense of calm. I think I'm a pretty calm person, so that helps me ride the wave too. So um, what areas might you need support where you don't feel so resilient? Um, time. <laughs> I need more time. I need more time with the students. I mean, we lose so much of our day um, sanitizing their hands and health screening and um, they have to eat their snacks in class now. They have to eat their lunch in class. All of that chips away at your, you know, your time to teach. So there's less time. I have a really needy student in the class um, and I need some specialized support for him. So I'm starting to get some. So that's helping. Um, I'm not sure how consistent that will be. And now when I'm getting these seven more students, um, I'm not sure how that's going to go. I mean, right now, when you look at my room, all you see are desks. I've had to get rid of all kinds of extraneous furniture. So um, space and time, um, technology, like, you know, I don't know if we are going to close down, but at some point they're still pushing us to do a lot of um, technology so that we're ready in case things close down so I could use support with that. And then there's a new math curriculum that was sent out to us with no resources. I mean, they gave us some long range plans and some videos and so I need some support with that. Some, you know, some lessons, just yeah. some practical things to kind of get me started. So those are some of the things that I need. So where do you get your resources? Like where, how do you support yourself? Do you have practices or um, people that you lean on? Where, where, how do you resource yourself? Well, I have to say, I'm not very good at asking for help and relying on others. And so I'm finding I need to do that. So the other grade two teacher who's been teaching grade two for a long time, I'm, I'm going to her and I'm 
leaning on her and she keeps reminding me, don't reinvent the wheel, don't reinvent the wheel. So, you know, I'm, I'm trying to remember to go to her whenever I can. Um, at home, I'm relying more on my, my family. I've told them this is a stressful time. I'm not going to be making dinner every night. So they've stepped up, they're making dinner, they're getting the groceries, they're, you know, helping out around the house. So they've been great that way. So just learning to lean on other people. Um, and then I'm trying to remember because in these busy times, it's so easy to let things fall to the side. So trying to remember to meditate every day. I've signed up for my, um, an online yoga class it's, that I want to, you know, start next week. So trying to find that balance where it's not just all school driven, but making sure I take care of myself first and eating healthy. And today I went out and spent some time in the yard, cleaning the yard, whereas the last two weekends I've just worked, you know, all weekend. So stopping, stepping back, knowing that I can't, you know, get it all done, just do what I can, but take care of myself too. Great. That's thank you. Um, so I'm wondering now with all of this, what you're facing now and everything that you've seen in your history, what are your thoughts about the future of education now, post pandemic? I, it's probably twofold. One is um, I'm, I'm kind of hopeful because the way the whole system was able just to shift their whole way of thinking and doing things and everybody just kind of as hard as it was, went with it and changed and adapted, um, you know, parents change the way they look at things, students, teachers, it's been hard, but everybody's kind of like working together and we're getting through it together. So it kind of makes me hopeful that if something, another big, you know, problem happens or another big change happens that, you know, we can, we can ride the wave and kind of get through it. Um, the other side of me is, is worried that some of the things that they put in place are going to stay, like they'll become the usual, like, you know, no group work in the classrooms, keeping children separate, the constant um, hand washing and sanitizing and, and spacing and no parents in the school, no libraries. Like, is that going to continue? Do they are they going to see that, you know, we can get through the year without a library? Maybe we don't need libraries anymore. So I'm worried that some of those changes that they've made, they're going to keep them as a way to save money or, or, or people. I'm not sure. So it, it's kind of twofold. But I'm, I guess the next year we'll, we'll see what happens. And that will be um, very telling, right? Yeah, that's great. And uh, I appreciate the fact that you have been teaching for so long, um, that you're an inspiration to uh, newer teachers who are coming in, who might not have um, the confidence in their own resilience. Whereas you said, like you said, like in your personal life and in your professional life, you've had to go through things that show you your resilience. So I'm hoping some of those younger teachers will stick it out and realize that there is um, some hope for the future of education. And I think what they need to remember too is this year is to spend a lot of time on social emotional development, like or learning. Um, I've spent so much time in the class, you know, talking about growth mindset and mindfulness you know, being positive. And we start the day every morning, like uh, we're, the students are writing gratitude journals. We're often, you, you know, do bell work, busy work. So I'm thinking, no, we're just going to start with, even though I could be doing something more academic, I want to start the day on a positive note. So we write, they write one thing in their, their gratitude journal. So, you know, yes, you have to teach the curriculum, but um, I think this is not the year to make that your main goal, but focus on making sure everybody's happy and settled and 
and feeling positive about school and the future. Well, great. Thank you so much, Gwen. I appreciate it. Um, I appreciate uh, the inspiration you are for younger teachers, but also for me as, um, as your sister, as your little sister. Um, so thank you so much and the best of luck for the rest of this school year. And yeah, take care. Okay. Bye. Talk soon. Bye.